0: And it was only when I decided that I was gonna let go of everything and burn it all to the ground that I felt free enough to have the space to realize there's some of this I still love. There's some of these things that I'm really, really good at.
1: Well, welcome back, and, or welcome to the Create Purpose podcast. I'm here with Mark Drager. He's a brand and positioning expert, podcaster, storyteller, owner of Phantom Media. He shared stages and hosted conversations with Tom and Lisa Bilyeu, Anthony Trucks, Mel Abraham, Evan Carmichael, Ma- and, and a lot of others. And his ultimate purpose is to help others crush the fear and doubt that's keeping them from building an extraordinary life. So Mark, thanks for coming on the show. I've, I I want to dig into like that purpose statement is powerful. I love it. So let's start with your story a little bit. Why are you so passionate about this?
0: Well, every one of us, whether you're an entrepreneur or an artist, if you're an author, if you're a creator, if, you, if you're a spouse, if you're a parent, any, anybody who creates anything does it for selfish reasons, don't we? We do it because, frankly, we wish someone else could come along and do it for us. Or we see that there's a gap that we want to fill. And so I learned this thing a long time ago from some really successful authors that I met along the way. And they said, if you ever want to know what an author was going through two or three years ago, just look at the book they're talking about right now. Right? Because whatever book they're promoting or releasing or talking about is, in fact, what they had to work through two or three years ago. Because that's how long it takes to write a book. And so, if you look at that statement that I want to help crush the fear and doubt that's holding us back, that's keeping us from an extraordinary life, what do you think I want? I want an extraordinary life. I, I want to be extraordinary. And, and, I used to feel guilty or selfish for that reason, but no, like you know what? I like, I, I like feeling like what I do matters, don't you? And I like being really good at something and valued for what I do, don't you? And I want to feel like whatever my version of of life is, that that I'm living up to my potential and it's unique and it's different and exciting. Like, don't you? And yet I have so much fear. I have so much doubt. I know that this uncertainty slows me down. I know that it holds me back because I've seen that it doesn't hold other people back in the same way. And so <laughs> here's the secret behind the scenes. Like if you look at any of my videos or any of my conversations or any of my blog posts or anything, I'm speaking with such authority because I have the answers, but, but I, I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to me because even though I know what I should do and even though I know what the answers are, it doesn't quiet the voices that kind of keep me up late at night.
1: Yeah, that's that's powerful. Like that is the universal human experience. I haven't met anybody and and as I get a coach, I I get to work with a lot of people one-on-one and and we go deep and I haven't met a client yet that's saying like, "No, I'm fear. Well, I don't know what that is." You know, like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, that I used to have that, but no no more." Yeah.
0: yeah uh, I think fig- I figured that out like yeah, 10 years ago fear <laughs> and doubt used to slow me down, but then uh, you know what? Actually, I have I have hit a point in my life where I didn't, where I was so I was I got so far ahead of fear and doubt that I didn't have it. Yeah. But but here's what I did: I paid off my mortgage. My business was in a really comfortable place. My marriage was in a good place, and my kids were in a good place. And 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 that worked for me for about eight to nine months before I got really bored and realized that I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. So so I did crush fear and doubt, and I did get ahead of it. But what it meant was. I wasn't putting myself in situations where I was growing or being challenged or had anything at risk. Yeah. And I got really sad and depressed because I was like, I guess this is it.
1: Yeah. And that's the, you know, call it what you want, that growth, the value of growth or an entrepreneurial spirit. Right. I'm like you is like, if I don't feel a little bit of fear, I've gotten to the point where I'm realizing, ooh, something's off. If I'm not feeling some of what Stephen Pressfield calls resistance, right? If I'm not feeling that, I actually am, see it differently. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'm playing smaller than I really am. Maybe there's more I can lean into because like learning to embrace the feeling. What do you think about that? Like Learning to embrace the discomfort and, and seeing it as an indicator of growth and bringing your vision to life and all of that.
0: I think that's a great thing to do. You know, a big breakthrough for me was when I was reading, I think, Mark Manson's The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. You know, I'm pretty sure... I read a lot of books. So they all just like blend together. And I really always want to attribute who I'm reading at the time. But he talks about the fact that like feelings aren't good or bad, right? Like feelings are just feelings. They're just indicators. You can be angry. Anger isn't bad, right? You can be jealous. Jealousy isn't bad, right? You can be extremely ecstatic and happy. That's also not good right? Like it just is. It's it just feelings are what is. And it's an indicator for us that we're either more in alignment or less in alignment, that we're making smart decisions globally or like macro or micro or not. And so if you're constantly wound up and you're constantly anxious and you're constantly fearful and you're, and you're beating yourself up and all of those things, which I can rhyme off easily because I live there most of the time, uh, then they're not good or bad an indicator of like hey maybe there's some work you need to do or some things you need to figure out and if you're constantly comfortable or or hopeless or sad or whatever pick whatever your 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 feeling of choice is where you tend to live and if you're constantly that it's just an indicator that you're out of alignment or you're not doing some things or you are doing some things that you shouldn't be doing
1: yeah you know, I, I call that resonance. You're either in resonance or you're in dissonance. And resonance, you, you know it because it's it's true for you. and and sometimes that's anger, sometimes that's sad. like it's letting yourself experience things and see it as information because what we normally do is we put labels on it like, "Oh, I'm angry, well, then that' I'm, I'm doing something wrong or I'm bad." or and and we pile on instead of just letting ourselves stay curious with, well what what am I angry about? What what boundary is, is not being respected right now? What do I need that I'm like? getting? Emotions are pretty important indicators of what we really need if we stay present with them. So very good, really cool. Well, you alluded to it, like kind of this idea of, yeah, the fear and doubt hasn't gone away. <laughs> I wish it would. <laughs> right. Where are you experiencing it the most right now in what you're building?
0: So I I, I started a creative agency in 2006. Mm-hmm. I built it into a multi-million dollar business. And I, th- I think by a year seven or eight, we crossed a little over a million dollars in, th- in annual revenue. But being a creative industry, being in a creative business, it's, it's one-offs. So we're producing two or 300 one-off projects per year. Every single year, we're, we're having to refill the funnel, right? So it's not like I, I could grow this recurring revenue base. I had some recurring clients. Every project was a project. Every dollar had to be sold year after year after year. And so some of it's predictable, but, but we got it up to a little over, well, a little over $2 million in revenue before COVID hit 24 full-time staff. And having a seven-figure, being, being the key man in a creative business or creative industry, working on 20 or 30 projects at a time, two or 300 projects per year, and being the person where, where if, everything, if something goes wrong, of course, I'm the CEO, it's on me. If things go right, um, well, I mean, I feel very proud, but it's because of the team, frankly. It's, it, was ne- it never went right because of me. It went right because the team did a great job, but it also went wrong. It's my responsibility. And so just that pressure and that grind and that constant feeling like I'm building everyone's businesses, but not my own. And it just, it just wore me out. And so COVID provided some really great coverage for me, in fact, because it gave me the opportunity. When, when, the pan- when the pandemic hit and lockdown hit, through March, April, and May, I was actually the happiest and freest I ever felt in my life. Which is very weird because at the same time it's like the world is burning down around us, but it's because there was no expectations on me, right? My my clients are paused all projects. We had we had ton like like I don't know what it was, six or seven hundred thousand dollars in work immediately got put on hold, and my team's all looking at me and I'm like I don't know what we're doing. We're just on hold, but it gave me coverage. And as the world started to open up through June and through July and August of 2020 my anxiety levels rose, the PTSD of like the, the three-month sabbatical that I had where I felt actually good and calm and, and not like under pressure and not on demand. And, and no, one, no one was pulling me in a million different directions. It all started, that all disappeared. And the old mark started coming back, the old life. And I was so uncomfortable with it. And I hated it so much. And I was having panic attacks on the weekends, thinking about the week ahead, I would have panic attacks. I was like, "This isn't right. Like, this, isn't, this isn't. I didn't build this business for this." And and then I it gave me it gave me pause to kind of say, "Well, what was it about when everyone else is freaking out and the world is burning down around me and the expectations are lifted off of my shoulders? Why did I find that freeing? And yet, when everyone in my life is excited to quote unquote go back to normal, right? Getting back together with friends." I didn't really want to do that. Seeing family, I didn't want to do that. Working with my clients, great people, amazing people, amazing businesses, I didn't want to do it. And now that I look back, I realize, I think I just was super burnt out. And, and I needed a bit of a pause. But, but what I'm excited about now, and at the same time, absolutely terrified about, is can I do this again?
1: Yeah. Pause, pause for a moment, because I wanted to ask you, because if I'm hearing you right, like, the pandemic, I had a similar experience. My Everything just got quiet. I was going on walks with my, I had a little month old baby girl. And so I'd take her on walks around the neighborhood, like around three o'clock. And I, I'll, I remember the sidewalk chalk because all these families were home and everybody, and I'm just like- Putting notes on the ground and everything. Yeah, like picture, like, I'm like, this is like, nobody has slowed down like this in probably our lifetime. And so yeah. it was just this kind of I just it was a surreal beautiful moment, and I I, I got a sense of that same peace that you had. Like there was just like the world stopped, and it's like I could take a breath. You it sounds similar for you, and but then when it turned back on, and when you said when you said burnout, I'm like, well, you just had like several well, a period of time of of peace, you know, and so where would the burnout come from? And I'm like, I wonder if it was just kind of snapping right back into the old way. And, and, but, but knowing enough of the contrast of what things could be, like, I was actually working out this morning with my trainer and we were just talking about like, now that I'm consistent, I don't want to break the chain. I want to keep coming. He's like, yeah. And the other thing is you're going to feel so terrible. If you stop going to the gym, you're going to want to go back. Like you now know what health feels like the actually having vitality and energy, so I kind of, I'm just curious and wanted to explore that a little bit. Like now you know what things could be and it makes all the stuff that used to be all the more just, I don't want this anymore. Has that been real yeah. for you?
0: Yeah. It, 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 it has. So through 2020, I did a lot of pausing and, and culling and, and I had to make some really hard decisions. You know, we had, we had again, before the pandemic hit, we were a million dollar company and then everything gets put on hold. So as my team, as people start to leave my team, because I didn't really have a lot of direction, I just didn't replace them. So our team shrunk, our client base shrunk, work got put on hold. We had a lot of cash on hand. We were lucky enough to to be operating for 14 years at that point. So I had a lot of cash on hand and a lot of runway. But it was the first time where I realized like, hey, I don't want to keep doing the thing that I've been doing. But it took me all the way until April 2021 to actually make that decision. Mm -hmm. Think about that. March 2020, we shut down. Through the spring, I feel free. Through the summer, I start to not feel free anymore and, and get panicky and, and I have to give clients money back. We can no longer... You know, I had one client who we were sitting on like a $400,000 project. And, we, and at that point, we couldn't deliver the project profitably. If they forced us to move forward with it, it would have bankrupted the company for a whole bunch of logistical reasons. But I had to like go back to the client and say, I need to give you this money back. That took me... It took me two months to figure out how to, how to broach that subject with them. And then, and then just, just anyway, it took all the way till April of 2021 for me to admit to myself and my wife and, my, and, and a few key people on my team that it's just like, I just can't keep doing this. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to do it. can't do it. I think I'm out. And then it took from the spring of 21 all the way to the fall of 21 for me to figure out, oh, wait. I actually still love this. I still, I, like, I, I, it's very easy to burn everything to the ground because you hit a point of just wanting to let go to the point where you're like, I just want to burn everything to the ground. And it's really great to make this big sudden change, but you end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You end up throwing out all the stuff that you actually love, the stuff that you're yeah. good at, the stuff you're skilled at. And so, it, So part of me is like, man, I wish I could have done this quicker, but, but let's do some math here, right? Like, it took me 2020 to go through these ups and downs. It took me all the way to the spring of 21 to decide, I just can't keep doing living this way anymore. And it took me to the fall to realize, wait a minute, there's still some of the stuff I love. And then it took me all the way till this spring, spring of 22 to figure out what this could look like. And then from spring of 22 to now, when we're speaking, it's like trying to figure out how to rebuild.
1: Pause really quick, because I'm, what I'm curious about is, was this just a... Inner journey you went on to get clarity, and it just needed, or did you have conversations, coaches, friends, mentors? Like, how did you find some of that clarity and sift through that? Because you sifted through a lot. It, it sounds like, yeah. Did you do all that on your own, or how'd you how'd you get where you got?
0: So I have a really good circle of peers, and I call them peers because they're friends, but they're they're not like I, it's not like the people that my wife and I hang out with with the kids. I'm talking about like other business owners where they're in similar places to where I'm at. And it's not quite a mastermind group, but it's also not quite as informal as just being friends. I have a few people where, where I get together with them for a call every second Friday of the month. And there's only two people. Like I've been part of big groups, only me and these other two people and we get together. And when you know one of the guys was from the UK last year and he flew into Tampa for an event, he said, hey, I'm going to be in Tampa. So I, I, I did what I normally don't do. I would normally be at home and say, good job. Instead, I said, I'll come down to Tampa with you and hang out for a few days. And I hung out with him. And I hung out with my other friend, Steven. And it was then that they pulled me aside and they said, Mark, I'm really worried about you. And they they said, you didn't ask for any of this stuff, but here's what I'm worried about. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I need. And I listened. Mm -hmm. I listened. And I would ask them for help. And so I have a few of these relationships in my life. I just started another one with someone that you mentioned on that opening list of like people I've shared the stage with. Yeah. We're, we're literally a few weeks ago, we were texting back and forth and he said, hey, I like you. I said, and I like you too. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> oh, he, said, yeah. he said, yeah, I was like, we're bro buddies. He's like, <laughs> hey, I like you. And I was like, I like you. And he's like, hey, I'm thinking, I don't have anyone to help keep me accountable. Maybe we can do something. And I just said, yes. Like, I don't know what it looked like. And so now somehow, like I've never had an accountability partner before. Right. Now I have an accountability partner. But so so first layer of it, was like being open, asking for help, having a seeking out a few relationships that are not business relationships for business. they're simply there for me to be to, to to drop my guard around yeah, that's first, second, a lot of reading, a lot of books. I'm naturally curious. I love this stuff, so I explore those things. The third thing that that I've done is the podcast. you know we do hard things. I'm the host yeah. of, of of a podcast and a show and and frankly, like it's no secret, right? Like most of us do this podcast. Some people do podcasts for business development reasons or lead gen reasons. Most of us do it just because we want to surround ourselves with awesome people yeah. and, and learn from them. So, so that's helped because the other thing is the people that I pick to be on the podcast often they've written books or, they're, or, they're, or they have big platforms. I consume a lot of their content in preparation for the conversation I'm about to have. So I have to like learn all of this stuff. Yeah. In order yeah. to then be ready to have a deeper conversation with them. So it forces me to be around them. And then I get to pick their brains. I get to be like, hey, you know. So, so if anyone wants to know about the story arc, like if you literally just go back through past episodes of We Do Hard Things, like, like go back to you know May or June of 2021, when I would have been recording that when I was struggling with this. And you'll see that the conversations I'm asking and the questions I'm asking, if you go back and look through what I just shared, you'll see that I'm very selfishly asking about courage because I was worried about shutting down my agency. Yeah. Or you'll see that I'm asking about like living with regrets because I'm, because I'm worried that if I don't make a change, I'm going to do that. Or, or asking like, hey, when you make this sudden change in your career, how did you support yourself? How did you earn a living? Like, Where did this money come from? Because I'm wondering, hey, if I don't have an agency and I'm not doing this anymore, how am I going <laughs> to support my family? And so that that those three things helped me a lot.
1: Yeah, wow. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've seen you know on on outside looking in, you probably back when you're going through that, probably looked like a success like, "Wow, I how, how did you do what you did? I want to do what you did." And you're probably internally kind of like, "I don't know if I want all this anymore." And it's it, I've noticed that it can be hard to share that with people. And so you get you become very alone and very isolated in that that So to hear you say that I, I went to Tampa and I sh- kind of opened up and allow, I allowed other people to see me and invited perspectives, the books, the plot. Yeah.
0: The conversation I had with Steven, I can remember it. I, I can remember where I'm sitting. I can remember the moment. It, he, he was literally like, Mark, me and this other guy were talking about you at the bar last night. And immediately like, like in my chest, like kind of like when you get called to the principal's office, when your parents are like, we need to talk to you. Like immediately I'm like, you're talking about me? Like, like, like what, like what? And then he just like, this is what I need to do. And, and I realized, you know, in that moment that, you know, I was never really close with my dad. Like, I know this isn't Sarah's therapy session and whatnot, but I was never really that close with my dad. And I never really had a father figure in my life other than my grandfather, who has just showed me, like my grandfather taught me what hard work and stoicism and just like not complaining and just getting on with it's great. but. But what I realized, these men, mainly men in my life that I've surrounded myself with, are in fact pseudo father figures to me. And they, yeah. they, they, if if I'm honest with them, but at the same time, like I can't just be standing around complaining all the time, right? So they see the other side, they see the drive, they see the desire, they see the hard work, they see all these things I'm doing on the back end. But but if I allow them, if I allow them in, and I and I, they always have a thoughtful perspective, and. Um, frankly, it's just like somehow looking back now, I realize like, oh, these are just kind of guys who are 10 or 15 years older than me. They all are a little bit further ahead of me and they're all kind of like, the, they, they replace, I guess, the questions that I should be asking my dad or the guidance I should be getting from the male role model in my life. They're just kind of doing that for me. And as soon as I realized that, I also didn't fight it quite as much. It was just like, I'm going to accept whatever it is you see in me. Like you see something, you're saying something, you're noticing something, I'm just going to go ahead and accept it as truth.
1: Yeah. Oftentimes we're the last to see see that greatness <laughs> or that strength. I spent too many have. years
0: fighting it though, too. People yeah. would like want to give me advice and I would give them all the reasons why and all the excuses. And finally it's like, okay, I'm just going to accept what you're saying as truth and explore it and see what happens. Yeah. Cool.
1: Really cool. So what? So now you're kind of, well, probably never Arrive. You're never fully on the other side, but you're on the other side of some of this. What's been the greatest insight for you? You know, looking back, like this is this is where I ended up, and it's made all the
0: difference. Okay, so first, I had to realize that no one was going to do this work for me. Yeah, I spent I spent too many years pre-COVID, pre pre-pandemic, still unhappy. I I I, I would go back. I did this during the break, like during that pandemic. And I went back and read emails because I would send myself notes and emails. And I'm reading emails from 2012, 2013, 2015. Same themes, same challenges, same questions, never fixing it. Kind of wondering when someone would come along, recognize my genius and my potential and figure these things out for me. No one's going to do that. Yeah. So I had to recognize that. The second thing I had to realize was like, I was always so focused on my business that I didn't realize it was this moment of realizing like I am the product. And you can replace product with every word you want, but but because I'm in, I'm a business guy and I'm an entrepreneur, I think of like products and services and offers and things we can do and blah, 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 blah. And I I spent a lot of time and a lot of money perfecting these things and making them better to drive more value for my clients. Right. Like you're a coach, you probably want your coaching program to be the most amazing thing possible. So as you learn things, you're tweaking and you're changing and you're making it better and you want to be better than the competition and like you're just constantly working and investing and allowing other people in to make whatever it is that you sell, offer, whatever, the best thing possible. And that's what I focused on. And then as soon as I realized I am the product of my life, mm-hmm. like let's, let's, let's explode out to a view of me from birth to 90 or 100 Taking the time to slow down and figure some of this stuff out not only serves me today or tomorrow, but it's going to make me better when I'm 50. it's gonna make me better, hopefully, when I'm 60 and 70. Like, God willing, all of those years ahead of me. But, but if I put as much time and effort and, and resources and money and outside perspective into me that I put into my products and services as a company to try and sell stuff, that's not only going to serve me forever, as long as I'm conscious, it will serve me. But it's also going to help. It's worth the time. It's worth the investment. It's worth the slowdown. You understand what I mean?
1: No, yeah, I, I do. I, you know, for the long part of my life, I, I spent so much time trying to live up to some ideal image I thought I ought to be. You know, based on through my clients' eyes or through the industry and. And I'd look out there. What is everybody doing? And I'd compare and and I just constant like this hamster wheel, like just running hard at all this stuff. And yeah, there's a shift because as soon as I slowed down and I got clear on my own personal story, you know, some of those defining moments. Which I know you've done that work, right? Like, why am I the way I am? Why is this so important to me? And what stories shaped who I am today? And I learned to tell those stories. I let those inform the work I do. And I slowed way down. Like it just, and what happened was I no longer was chasing after my dream. It was almost like the dream started chasing me. Like opportunities just attracted themselves to me just because who I was being, that's what I'm hearing
0: from you. yeah, you you have to when you're on the hamster wheel, you don't have any space or any room. you have to keep on top of everything and stay on top of everything. And when, you know seven figure payroll having to replace the business all the time meant taking on projects i didn't really want to take on for people i didn't really want to take on just to keep just to keep the machine fed and that and takes it, cur-
1: courage to get to the root <laughs> issue there right cuz it's <laughs> that's
0: well, i'm and, and this is where it's like i wanted to keep tweaking and changing mm-hmm. year after year like how do we make it how do we fix it how do we get better and it was only when i decided that i was going to let go of everything and burn it all to the ground that i felt free enough to have the space to realize there's some of this I still love. Yeah. There's some of these things that I'm really, really good at. Oh, you know what? I can forgive myself for the mistakes that i made. Because guess what? When I started the agency, the first time, Phantom Media, I was 23. I had never worked at an agency, and yet I built an agency. So that's not great. I, I made whatever I thought at the time was the best decision to make. But often, uh, when it was no longer a good decision, so I hired amazing people. But when they were no longer plugged into the culture, I didn't have the courage to like restructure. Yeah. I knew we had operational challenges, but I never made the investments to fix the operational challenges. What
1: what What was the fear behind that? What were you afraid What were you afraid of in that moment that you put off the restructuring? You, you didn't you avoided it for a while. I'm willing to bet. like you didn't. Oh yeah, you didn't yeah, yeah. just attack it head- on. It, you probably spent a year just wrestling with it. what what was What was the fear that kept you
0: in that pattern, do you think? Um, if I'm if I used to say to people all the time, if I could replace my salary, I would I would change everything in an instant, and so it was just like keeping up keeping up with expenses.
1: Yeah, there's kind of a fear of going backwards, starting
0: over. Yeah, 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 and and so full circle now. When you said, "Hey, right now, what are you what are, what's keeping up at night, or what are you most worried about?" Right, all of that stuff is backstory for what's happening right now. Is okay, cool. So two years ago, we decided, or a year ago, I decided to burn the place to the ground. And last October or September, I decided, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it. And in the spring, we figure out what we're going to offer. And we spent the last six months finding market fit and, and restructuring and doing all this stuff. That's, that's a lot of runway, man. Like from pandemic to today, for our, our revenue to be so much lower than it was, mm-hmm. our expenses to be lower, but still burning through cash. What I'm most uncomfortable with and what I'm most worried about is like, can I do this again? Right? Yeah. I, like, I had a lot of energy in my 20s. I worked really, really hard. I wasn't there for a lot. I worked so hard and so much that I can remember one time my daughter, who was three or four at the time, came to my bedside table one morning when I got in at like three or four in the morning and was getting up at 8 a.m. to get back to work. And I saw her and she smiled at me and I started crying because I was so tired. She said, she's like, why are you crying, daddy? And I was like, because. I, I got to go back to work. And, and I love you, but I don't know. I just got to go back to work, I guess. I just keep on top yeah. of everything, stay on top of everything. Well, and when, my, when my son was born, we have four mm-hmm. kids. When my second son was born, I had to leave my wife at the hospital because I had a big project that was due and, and I didn't have a team at the time. And it was like, it was 2008 during the recession. It was a $6,000 project, which was going to just keep us afloat. My wife just had our our second child, our son, and about an hour or two after he was born, I was like, "I gotta go. I have this project due on Tuesday."
1: Yeah, well, I got a question for you because it's understandable that you don't want to go through that again, and, right? and I don't
0: want to do that all again. <laughs> so I'm worried. Can you build an agency? Can you build a company? Not building it that way.
1: Yeah, because you know, my question is like, well, what's leading you to believe that it has to be that way, given that? You're not the same, Mark. That that yeah. start right. You you have all these lessons, and so, just yeah. I'm curious, what's leading you to believe that that's the way it's got to be?
0: I know it doesn't have to be that way. I just hope to God that that's true. Yeah. So so most of what I do is 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 pretty faith based. Now you know, like I don't mean that meaning like Christianity or religion. I mean like like when I decided that I didn't want to keep running Fanta the way that I had in that spring of 21. It was because of a few things. First, I read the book, Five Regrets of the Dying by Bonnie Ware, an amazing book, but I read this book and I went, okay, so she's telling me, and for people who don't know, she, was, she was an end of, she's an Australian woman who worked with people at the end of their life for palliative care. So she would live in the home with an aging parent or, or aunt or uncle or grandparent or whatever it was, but she got hired to live there for the last few weeks until, until people passed away. Take care of them. Be with them. Listen. And so... Most nurses just do the nursing side, but, but Bonnie really connected with people. She noticed that people at their end of their life had the same five regrets, which is like, I wish I had lived more for me as opposed to others. I wish I didn't work so hard, like yada, yada, yada. And so I read that and I went, okay, I'm in my late 30s. I don't want to be in my 80s or 90s and have these regrets. But here's the thing, just because people regret this at the end of their life doesn't mean it's actually true. Right. Just because you're at 80 or 90 and you go, man, I wish I didn't work so hard, doesn't actually mean you shouldn't have worked so hard. Right? Like there's there what we don't realize is like, is is just because you feel something doesn't mean it's true. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's cool you had that regret. I think I might have that regret because I'm working, I, I missed, you know, miss my daughter and missed this and missed all of these different things. I think I'm going to regret that. So here's where faith comes into account. What if I just take it as truth? What if these people's regrets, these five regrets, are the regrets I will have on my deathbed? And what if this is true? And what if it's not too late for me to change everything so that way I can start living my life now the way that those people on their deathbed wish they had lived their lives? Which means, what am I sacrificing? Vacations, maybe? Maybe the car? Maybe money's a little bit tighter? Like, I'm I'm, going to have to make some sacrifices to do it, but... But this is where I say, like, I just kind of step out in faith. I have faith that that these people who are passing away are speaking truth, and I should change my life. Yeah, my business. I have faith that I don't have to build the business the way I did in the twenties because I know other people haven't. But but it it doesn't mean that I don't have fears or doubts, or it doesn't mean that it's like been proven to me yet that I can do it.
1: Yeah, you, you want certainty. You want proof. You want to know that this will work but the only way to certainty is through faith. Like you have to you have to have that faith to, you know, looking in the review mirror, you're like, yep, yeah, that was the best decision I ever, you, but you never, <laughs> from a starting position, you don't know. It takes a hell of a lot of courage to choose to be intentional like that. I, I love that.
0: Well, and, the, and the, the biggest breakthrough that I've had over the last two years that's really helped me, but again, it doesn't help with my fear and my doubt and the uncertainty that we all face in the future. I've spent a lot of time digging into, into like, I don't even know what you'd call it, but it's, it's playing with time. It mm-hmm. has to do with personalities. It has to do with time. There's a few great authors, uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who wrote Personalities in Permit, is an amazing book. But, but here's what I did. I looked back. I looked backwards. And there's this thing like, if I asked you how you met your spouse or your partner, we were out at dinner and we were having some you know a great meal. We're getting to know each other. I, naturally in conversation, I, my wife usually asks her, I ask like, hey, how did you meet? Right. And I'd say nine times out of 10, people start by responding. It's kind of a funny story. Like it's it's kind of this funny story. I was here doing this, and then I went visited this friend, and she was a friend of a friend of a friend, or like, or I, I, we were at work and this big project got canceled, and this consultant came in, and then we met. Like, it's always kind of a funny story. How the unit's happenstance. It's random. It's weird, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and and when nobody's like, well, I I had a 3-year plan and I, you know, ex- <laughs> and then I, I you that. know, right? And then yeah, it worked out yeah. exactly how I thought it would. No. Yeah. Same probably same thing starting a business, growing a business.
0: I've seen so many businesses where like like Steve Jobs, right? People love Steve Jobs story, right? They love his passion. They love his purpose. They love all of that stuff about Steve Jobs and Apple, but Apple only started making computers. Now, they may have made computers anyway, but they only started making computers because they had made computer chips, processors. And he tried to sell processors. And the guy who tried to sell it to said, I'd rather have a computer. And Steve Jobs said, I can make computers. (laughs) And then he went to Steve Wozniak and said, hey, how do we make a computer? Yeah, That's the only reason they started building computers because someone didn't want the processors or the chips. They wanted a computer. And he said, I can do that.
1: Yeah, it was intuition. It was creativity. It was... and. That's where what you're identifying is I have a real issue with this, the whole hustle culture, the work heart, because it's funny. Every time I've really worked hard at something and really tried to will it to happen, it never happened. It, I just ended up being exhausted. <laughs> but then it's like, as soon as I let go, and like my wife's a good example. As soon as I just kind of like, I don't know, I don't know when the right way, I don't know. And then it's just like, she just appeared and it was it it happened so fast, six months, we're married, you know.
0: There's actually psychology behind why that happens. Absolutely. And, yeah. So so first of all, anytime that you put a lot of mental effort into what you want, your subconscious remembers all of those things. And then as soon as you let go, you turn you activate your RAS to be able to identify the opportunities or your reticular activating system. Yeah. Right. For I'm I'm sure our listeners know about this, but if you buy a new car, you see that new car everywhere, right? Like yeah. But you do all of the mental effort. You do all of the work. You let go of it. You free yourself up. It's the reason in the shower, while you're cutting the grass or doing the dishes, you come up with great ideas. It's because it's because the subconscious can then identify or hone in on those things that you've been overcompensating for. But if you're always overthinking everything, there's no room for the for the great things to bubble to the surface. But but here's where I'm going with this. Looking back, it's a funny story. Looking back, you know, I went to I went to film school, and then somehow. When I graduated, this random guy in the editing suite who needed help, I I offered to help for a few days for free. And then he liked me and a few weeks later he got me my first job. And then that first job, I ended up not liking, I hated it. And my manager knew I hated it and that manager liked me enough found a job posting for another thing and then helped me with my resume and he got me that job. And then that job was where I learned everything about internet marketing, everything about segmentation, everything about marketing research. And then I started my own agency. And it's like this weird winding path, right? Like when we're looking back, we can connect all the dots on our weird and winding path. But yet when we look forward, as you mentioned, you want that three-year strategy. You want that plan. You want the milestones. You want the KPIs. You want to know it's going to work. You don't want to risk anything. You don't want to make the investment unless it makes sense. And you don't want to waste time on anything. It's got to be efficient. And in that world, in that environment that I lived in, that I think most of us in business live in, we, we so tightly control everything and we mm-hmm. so tightly want, we want to know that it's going to be, that it's, it's all going to be right and work and be efficient and not waste anything and not risk anything and not embarrass us. That's like where I'm most comfortable. I think most of us are. And yet it removes all of the opportunity for, for the beauty or the majesty or the amazing things of life to kind of have kind of funny stories going forward. And so, a big thing I've tried to do over the last two years, and I've gotten really good at it, is letting go of all this stuff and just, just like trying things out. You know, I, I flew down to the reason I flew down to Tampa to hang out with some guys for a few days. I would never have done that in the past because it didn't make business sense. It didn't make sense for the investment. Didn't make sense for the time. I wasn't going to network. With I, I tried it out, and guess what? I made a few friends, and then I made a stronger connection. And then through that stronger connection, actually, they invited me back in March to host the event that I flew down to. I made like 20 grand to host an event. And then it led to, led, led to more things and more things. Like it's just, life is uncontrollable. You can't control it. Yeah. There is no certainty. And so I know that. And yet it makes me incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm right there
1: with you. And I guess I've really found some peace and like staying in that uncomfortable space. like that is that is because I know the I know the extremes. I know trying to control it all. That just leaves me feeling exhausted at the end of the day. I don't really like who I am. and and just having a clear vision, knowing what you want to build, but then letting go enough to allow, Sounds wooey, but allowing the universe or whatever you want to call it to kind of allow it to bring it to you. Because yeah. like you said, kind of the, the cars, like you, see, you, you buy a new car and you see it all over the interstate. When you know what you want, you have to let go and all those opportunities just start to show up like, oh, you know what? I think I should spend a little bit of time with that person. But if you're head's down, just trying to will it to happen, you miss all those opportunities that are oftentimes right in front of you. And it is uncomfortable. And I, it's changing your relationship with that discomfort. Like changing, that's where probably we feel the most fear is when we're letting go. And I, I'm learning to love that feeling. I love that because for me and and a lot of my clients, that's where the magic starts to happen. And I, I'm hearing the same for you. It's like that's when the magic starts to happen.
0: It brings a different energy to the work you do. Yeah, you know. So so as part of this journey, I was thinking through the summer, of of a few past clients I had, one of them in particular intimidated the hell out of me. Like when we were working together, I always felt like I had to be on my toes. I didn't feel good enough. Like just the way that they operated was, was so good and so strong and they intimidated me. And I was thinking about this and I was like, if, if, you know, most people who intimidate me like that, I never want to talk to again. But I was like, if he intimidates me that much, he must do things a way that I don't know how to do. He must know things that I don't know. And if he's sitting across from me and he intimidates me, how much better would it be if he was sitting on the same t- side of the table as me? So I just reached out of him out of the blue and I said, hey, I don't know if you coach people, I don't know if you help people. Maybe this is how people reach out to you, Zach, right? Like, But I was like, I, I don't know in what capacity or how, but I know that you do things differently than me. I know that I'm really uncomfortable revealing myself to you because I feel insecure. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that up front and I'm going to lean into it. So how do we do something together? Yeah. And his very first suggestion, we're not even like working, we're probably going to partner together. We're probably going to work on something together. But his very first suggestion is like, Hey Mark, this agency you've been running for all these years, you you should rebrand it. You should rebrand it because Because you need a fresh start, you need a clean start. You need to approach this differently. You need more excitement, and you can continue to try and fix and fix and fix and tweak and tweak and change. But sometimes you just need like a fresh start. And I was pretty resistant. I mean, you know, for for four or five hours, I was pretty resistant about it on a Sunday when we talked. Because I was thinking, no, like all of this stuff and all we've done, and no, we can save it. And as soon as I was like, you know what? What would a rebrand look like? And suddenly, yeah, I can create anything I want. I can create any look, any feel, any structure, any team. I can do anything. And in the possibilities, when, when you're facing the future where it, it can be endless and optimistic and it could be anything, that one suggestion, that one tweak, that one change completely changed how I feel about the future, what we're building, built instant momentum. Because I'm like, okay, if we're going to do this, like it's going to take time. We better, we better jump on it. We better go. And it unlocked... I, I feel completely free. I feel as free today rebuilding and recreating the most amazing branding and positioning and creative agency ever. That I feel as free today as I felt on that day in April in 2021 when I decided I didn't want to do this anymore. Right? That moment where I decided I'm going to burn it to the ground and I don't want to do it anymore and I felt finally free. I feel that free right now. Building, rebuilding what I'm building. Yeah because it's a fresh start. Yeah. I just hope to hell I can pull it off.
1: <laughs> yeah. Don't we all? But that's 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 what makes life worth living. That's the mystery. That's the adventure is, I don't know what's going to happen next. And isn't it great? Isn't it fun? I love that. I, you know, just as we kind of conclude today... What you just shared is so significant. Just learning to sit in that uncertainty, but do it on your terms. Cause that's what I hear you saying. It's like, I'm doing this on my terms. I'm going to take those five rules for the dying and I'm going to say, no, I'm going to, I'm just going to believe that's true. And we're going to live life from that place. That's scary, but we'll see how it goes. And I, you know, I love your energy. So I kind of already have an idea of there's, there's a lot of creative things happening for you that probably wouldn't otherwise have happened if you wouldn't have been willing to let go
0: of the old. So we, we wouldn't be yeah. having this conversation that we're having today if it wasn't for that, because I reached out to you. Yeah. And I wouldn't, old Mark wouldn't reach out to people. Right. No time like for I, that. Right. Not only, no, not only no time, no confidence. Like, yeah. what, what would I say? What would I offer? Like, that's uh, just, yeah, just the lack, the insecurity would be so strong that I wouldn't have reached out. I was always the guy where I was like, I'm here if you need me. Yep. And if you need me, I'm going to help like crazy, but I'm just here if you need me. Yeah. And I realized that, you know what, putting yourself out there, I've always been vulnerable, putting yourself out there and asking for something and being clear and, and, and saying, this is what we're working towards. And then working towards it, that, that takes courage.
1: Yeah. And it also takes humility. I, because I think we often say humility is why we kind of play small and uh, let me know how I could help, you know, but I'm learning. It takes a whole hell of a lot more humility asking for help in that way, or just reaching out and saying, Hey, I, I have something to share. I, you know, would you be one that? That's, I, I, I see humility as a card played so often that just keeps us in our comfort zone. And what I heard you just say is going the opposite direction, which is really cool. So I always like to ask. That, I'm, you said you love reading. You've already mentioned a, several books. I need to check out the the Doctor Ben Hardy book, Personalities. I I read his Willpower Doesn't Work. Love that book.
0: And then yeah. Personalized and Permanent. And his latest book, which is Future You Now, is like is it good? Mind bending. Okay, I, love I got it. It. I'm lucky enough that I can text him because I know him. Oh, so. Cool. So I texted him while I was reading it, asking him questions. And I'm like, oh, I love this book. I remember
1: when he had, well, he was just writing like crazy on medium.com. And I was uh, yeah, and to see what he's done. And yeah, I'm a fan of Ben Hardy, for sure. In the context of this conversation, is there a book that comes to mind that if anybody wants to go deeper in that, that maybe served you along your journey to kind of find some of these insights you shared with us today? Is there a book that's coming to mind?
0: There is. And, and keep in mind, I've read a lot of books and I tend to stack them, right? Like uh-huh. to me, they like the breakthroughs are in order. So if you, if you said someone's challenged to this, I would give one prescribed approach versus another, but the book was written in the 1960s. You have to forgive the fact that it's written in the 60s. So it's a little bit masculine. It's faith-based, but the book is called Psycho-Cybernetics. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not, I but, am. but there was uh, for our audience, there was a plastic surgeon. Who noticed that some of his patients would come in with a tremendous self self confidence or or lack of self confidence? They would, you know, maybe they were marred or or scarred in war, or maybe they were born with with abnormally large ears or whatever. There was some kind of physical trait that caused them to feel less than everyone else and not succeed. So they would come to him and he would do plastic surgery. And again, in the 60s, plastic surgery was, was not really cosmetic. It was more about like fixing something. And so he would, he would fix someone's ears. And then half of, his, half of his patients had overnight a personality change. Their lack of confidence became confidence. Their, their lack of direction became direction. Their lack of motivation became motivation. And the other half didn't seem to have any change at all. They still felt just as bad about them as ever before. And so he's like, this is weird. And so he started digging into some pretty old school and foundational psychology. And you might say, why is a plastic surgeon writing about this? But it's an amazing book. And it gave me a tremendous amount of hope in what we were talking about, actually. Even this Mm -hmm. idea of like overthinking something and then leaving it alone and then allowing it to rise to the surface comes 100%. I lifted that right out of that book. (laughs)
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That's a great book. Yeah, it's on my shelf somewhere. I love that book. It's been a while since I've read it. Well. Mark, how can people learn more about your work and and follow along in what you're doing?
0: Well, if I mean, I've talked a little bit about the agency. If you want to check it out, just because you're curious, like, well, what's he talking about? You head over to Fanta.com. That's P-H-A-N-T-A.com. If you're curious about the podcast I host, We Do Hard Things, you can head over to YouTube at my channel, at Mark Drager, or you can find it on any of the audio apps. And if you want to DM me or send me a note, ask me a question, whatever it might be, head over to Instagram. My handle is at Mark
1: Drager. Very cool. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Real quick, I have a question for you. What would it look and feel like for you to lead your team and build your business with more clarity, confidence, and conviction? That's why I wanna invite you to the Fully Expressed Leader. It's a full day workshop, virtual workshop to learn how to lead from the inside out. This is for creatives, artists, executives, and right brain business owners who are ready to be the fully expressed leader they were meant to be. My promise to you is that by the end of this full day together, you're going to be able to identify the critical element in your business that you've been ignoring. You're gonna know the secret to unleash the full potential of your team and start to see responsibility as a gift and not a burden. You're gonna make leading from the inside out your new automatic default. What I love most about this day is I get to see the change in those that do the work. They come in exhausted and they leave energized. Later on, when they check back in with me, they tell me that it's like someone turned the lights on. What once felt impossible now feels inevitable. To learn more, go to www.createpurpose.net forward slash workshop. This day is not about doing more. It's a way of being, a way for you to shift your approach to building your business on your terms. So go check it out, www.createpurpose.net forward slash workshop. Hopefully you really enjoyed this podcast episode and my hope is you found it Really inspirational. And also, most importantly, I hope you took away some practical things that you can start to do and apply in your own life. So, finally, I have one small favor to ask of you before you go. Wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple Music or Spotify. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Love to hear your thoughts. Come find us on social media. Share it on social media. It just really helps us get the word out, helps us grow our audience. So please do that. Thanks to my team, Ashley Bolden, who handles all the admin, and Chris Skipper, who handles all the music and editing of this podcast. For more information on the Create Purpose podcast, you can go to www.createpurpose.net. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Zach.Arend. Please drop me a comment. Reach out. Drop me a DM. I'd love to hear from you. and love to hear what you're taking away from these conversations. What would you like to hear more of? Do you have any guests that you would love to see come on the show? And I'm always looking for great people to talk to, people with great stories that can inspire you. And so if you know of anybody, send them my way. Love to hear from you. I'm your host, Zach Aaron. And I'll see you in the next episode of the Create Purpose podcast. Bye for now.